So I'm going to go see Guar. Is that what I heard? Yeah, you have to go see Guar in a few months. <laughs> Welcome to Two Dollars Sega Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host Aaron Varnum. Joining me today, as always, uh, a sinus infection uh, for one is joining me today. So that's why I sound like shit throughout this whole episode. But first off, Cookie. Yes, sir. Tolbert. Hey yo. And Big Mike. Yeah. Boys, we've had some, uh, you know, it, it, we had a change of plans. We were going to do a La Parca episode last week. Schedules did not align. Uh, and here we are having to do an episode on Razor Ramon. So we will talk about Scott Hall uh, in a little bit. But first off, uh, Big Mike, your past two weeks, what's what's been going on? Did you hike the Appalachian Trail? Like, what, what What's going on? Uh, I did not, unfortunately, get to hike the Appalachian Trail. Um, I, well, I don't know what I did. Big news is I, I, I took a new job within my company that I work with, so I'm going to get out of clinical care. Kind of excited for that. Um, you know, making big boy moves. Um, and then, you know, I had a shortened weekend this week, but ultimately still got the golf. Oh, I was in Georgia. Fucking me. That's what I. That's why we couldn't record last week. Yeah, because you were in Georgia. You were the anyway. reason why we could not record last week. I got a lot going on in my life right now. Um, yeah, Georgia <laughs> was awesome. By the way, had a great time. Played some golf. Um, ended up doing the vacation adult thing with kids, where the day doesn't work out the way you plan, and so you just sit in the house while they run around and watch TV and drink beer with your college friends. So oh, it's basically. What you do Monday through Friday, but in another time, like in another in another town, area. yeah, town. And we add the beer, and I don't really sit around and drink a lot of beer during the week, but um, it's cool. It's really mind fucky. So um, Columbus, Georgia, is right on the border of Georgia and Alabama. Well, Alabama is Central Time, right? And so not only were we our tea time was in Alabama, but. There was also the the time change that weekend, and so it just really fucked with my brain. And I think it fucked with the college kids that were supposed to open the golf course because we got there, and they weren't there for like an hour. Yeah, and they clearly rolled up, and we're just super hungover. Um, but it's 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 really kind of trippy because time change, two different time zones, but then towns in Alabama can just choose to still be on Eastern time, so that's a thing too. It's Alabama, so you, brother. I can't imagine like trying to Google something and be like, hey, this store's supposed to open at nine, but then they're on central time. So I don't know. Anyway, very interesting life um, lesson there. Uh, glad I lived at the beach though. Uh, overall, great, great two weeks. Yeah. Other so, than the whole Scott Hall dying thing. Yeah. <laughs> Other <laughs> than the whole Scott Hall dying thing. Yeah, that was, that, that ended up being like a, a topic of, of, of sadness in our group chat throughout the past week. Uh, so yeah, thanks. Thanks for bringing it up again. Turning the knife. We'll be talking about that in a little bit. Uh, Tolbert. Oh, well, let's see. It, it was uh, St. Patty's Day this past week, of course. Oh, shit. Did you work? Uh, no, it was actually off this year. First time I've been off on St. Patty's in years, man. Uh, I did not go anywhere near downtown. Um, 
I did do a, we did some light partying. We went to Dropkick Murphys were in town the Friday before uh, St. Patty's uh, day. So we went and saw the Dropkick Murphys, a Greenfield Lake Amphitheater. Uh, which the I've day seen before of- that, you cooked as yakitori. Yeah, and we did some yakitori tailgate at Dropkick Murphy's show as well. Uh, it was uh, pouring down rain, but uh, you know we, you know us being tailgate professionals and rugby players that we are, um, Mike was gracious enough to let me borrow his tent. We had another one, uh, so we set up and uh, and uh, you know despite the rain, we had a really good time. Did some car bombs, did some tailgate, and went and saw Dropkick uh, playing an awesome awesome sold out show how many people um, of color were there <laughs> the dropkick murphy show I, I don't know it was a nighttime show so yeah okay i couldn't really make out the faces of the crowd that was so, funny <laughs> I, I wasn't i wasn't going through taking a head count or anything uh-huh. um no. i can say there weren't many <laughs> <laughs> Sounds just like a Dropkick Murphys fan right here. <laughs> but uh, it, it was a good show. I was gifted uh, a free ticket, so that was very nice of a friend of mine to uh, hook me up with a last-minute ticket so I can go have some fun. But otherwise, it was work, taking care of a baby. And uh, we actually took her out for the first time to her first brewery. Big Mike joined us uh, at Flying Machine Brewing. Had a good time, had some beers, kept it low-key. It's it's funny. You, you waited like, what, two months uh, for maybe even closer to three months. Mike waited uh, 24 like four, hours, like four days. <laughs> it was it was one week and it was also not a pandemic going on. But yeah. I will say at Flying Machine, Aaron, we saw a cat in a stroller. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. we did. Hmm. We did. What was if they Aaron follow Martin? Terry the tailless? I did not ask. Was was Terry cuter and much more friendlier? Uh, this was like more of a Maine Coon, so it was like very, very long and shaggy hair. Um, I, I didn't ask. I don't care about cats that much. You care about Terry. You like Terry. I like animals, but I don't like they I don't think they need their own Instagram accounts. Terry needs his own Instagram. In fact, uh, we just posted on Terry the Tail. It's about his, his beautiful adventure to the Arboretum today. If you uh, are following Terry the Tail list right now, it looks like he just posted it and uh Currently up to, to 50, uh, 50 likes in about 10 minutes. Well, More than anything, the $2 stake Instagram <laughs> account has gotten in the past two weeks. So, Tolbert. Should we start um, doing a tag team? That's the real question. Say what? Should we start doing a tag team between Terry Detailers and $2 stake? Oh, we need a collab. We need to do a cross a promotion. Collab. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably <laughs> the reason, the way to do it. I got to get him a little cat sized shirt. Of the Dory Funk shirt, so. And we had 12 likes on our Stone Cold Day post, so that's something. Yeah, sure is sure is nice. Uh, Cookie, did uh, Chase get beat up in the last two weeks? Chase did not get beat up. Uh, nothing crazy has happened from that other than, let's see here. I pretty much finished up my winter quarter. I'm on spring break right now. So, yeah, nothing's crazy happened. Chase has not stabbed anybody. Uh, no more um, Trump supporters have come around, so none of that crazy stuff has happened. I will say last night, I realized that I need to get the hell out of Lakewood, Colorado, because at 3 a.m., outside of my apartment, I heard a drunk man yelling that someone was going to come and get him. <laughs> and I don't know who that person was, but over and over, he was just like, come and get me. And there was a lot of bitch-ass N-words and pussy-ass N-words. It was I was very, very confused as to what was going on. <laughs> it's 
probably that homeless guy having flashbacks about that car. <laughs> Look, probably did you, was. Did you get to see any of the UFC fight night yesterday from, from Britain? I did not, unfortunately. I missed Go it. Go out of your way to watch it. Every single fight was a banger. There oh, was actually, uh, a, every ahead, single one. And that Patty Pimble guy, the guy with the really bad hair that looks like <laughs> me, like if he was in shape. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, like he, he looked great. There, there was a really badass uh, spinning back elbow knockout to a woman. It's called a Judas effect. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was a Judas effect uh, on a woman. I've tried that on Jasmine. It doesn't work. Did y'all happen to watch the heaviest, most heavyweight boxing match ever on Saturday? No. How, did you have it on at the bar? We did. We did. I did not watch it. I was not there. But uh, Thor Thor won that heavyweight boxing match, the mountain from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah it was uh, apparently pretty entertaining. You got to watch the replays on that. Uh, it, was, it, was it like a butterbean fight? Kind of. I think it was a slightly elevated butterbean fight. Uh, it was in Dubai, of all places. So, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I got you, Dubai. Uh, anything else, Cookie? No, man, it's been a pretty boring two weeks, other than the crackheads outside of my apartment complex. So in the world of professional wrestling the last two weeks, a lot of stuff has happened. Uh, first off, what are y'all's thoughts on the, on the Big E situation? Oh, that was tragic. It's it's not good. <laughs> it's not good at all. <laughs> um, you know, I get what he was trying to do. Maybe, you know, trying to help out a younger, less experienced wrestler, you know, to get some experience under his belt. But, you know, sometimes uh, it just doesn't work out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not with moves like that. Yeah. It looked bad. That's what happens. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens when you train football players in a matter of like five months to wrestle. So, I mean... That's what I got to say. Yeah, Mike, you, you're a Big E, like, fan. Yeah, yeah, it actually, it's pretty scary because, um, obviously, like, you hear that somebody breaks their neck. That can mean a lot of different things. Um, my initial reaction was that it was probably just, like, the burst fracture that he ended up having at, what, I think it's C5 or C6, um, which that is, like, it sucks, but, like, you're going to recover from that. You probably won't have too much effects of it. But the um, I think he had the odontoid fracture on the C, like, one on two, which is pretty fucking scary because, like, if you get that, like, that's probably what killed uh, Dale Earnhardt, like, when he wrecked his car, right? So, he breaks your neck, and then because you got the bone on your C2, your C1 sits on top of it and allows it to kind of twirl and spin around so that bone can go in there and just, like, fucking sever your your uh, spinal cord. Um, so, that's pretty scary. And, honestly, that's the one that you get worried about, Um the most if you want to look at like long-term outcomes because even if you have a full neck fusion you should still be able to maintain 50 percent rotation with that segment because it can swivel that much um so you know they said he doesn't need surgery so hopefully it heals up well um because that would really fucking suck because that could be a career ender not yeah, to speculate I, or anything. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, only you can't speculate, but, but, but yeah, when, when that happened, it was definitely yeah. Jasmine and I were watching SmackDown that night because we, it was a Friday night. We had nothing else going on that night. I was cooking dinner and she like, I was looking at my phone and she visibly was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm like, what happened? She's like big E. And then they never cut back to him. They never showed a replay. And I'm like, ooh, something might be going on. 
And I looked on Twitter and when I saw the gif of it, I was like, this is yeah. rough. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, it sucks that it was like a new guy. So it's going to break it down on him a lot. But it, I mean, there's inherent risks to everything that you do. Um, and, you know, I think it was more of a freak accident than anything that was clear. Like, definitely wasn't intentional. And I don't think it was malicious. I think it was just. Oh, yeah, I agree. So it sucks because that guy's going to carry that with him forever. Um, and same thing with Big E. He's going to carry, you know, with that yeah. forever. But and it, and it sucks, too, because, like, I don't know, he had a really shitty run with the title. And, you know, that potentially might be his only one ever. And it kind of just fucking sucked. Yeah. Yeah, because even if it's not a career ender, he's never going to be able to move or wrestle the same again. <laughs> All right. So one sad topic to another. Let's talk about Scott Hall. That was a big <laughs> deal. I'm putting on a bandana right now. Yo, uh, to, to hold my hair in place. But uh, Scott Hall was one of the first professional wrestlers that I ever remember watching. I remember watching uh, not the original match with the one, two, three kid, but the actual follow up for the ten thousand dollars where one, two, three kid beats Razor Ramon and then grabs the bag of money, runs out, gets into a car and drives off. That was the first professional wrestling I ever, I ever watched. It was in June of 1993. We were in a the Ocean Reef Hotel in Manio, uh, uh, Manio, North Carolina, the Outer Banks. And uh, that is what made me fall in love with professional wrestling. Uh, after that, I became obsessed and I gave so mini razor's edge to my pillow. Oh, I would pull my dude. pillow up, not even like a wrestle buddy. Cause my parents wouldn't buy me a wrestle buddy. I would take the pillow, slam it and then do. Yeah. 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 The, the razor Ramon, like hands up thing. I, I razor Ramon was my favorite. So I actually razored edge my, my younger brother, my only brother, uh, <laughs> many times. Uh, once I almost actually did break his neck, but he would just be like, do it. No, we can do it. Do it. And I, I would get him up, you know, and just try not to kill him. Um, difficult move. <laughs> when, and, you know, when you talk about the influence of Scott Hall, like Scott Hall started off, then uh, had a little bit of a career in the AWA, then went to WCW, then went to uh, WWE, had his big breakout there, went back to WCW. He was went everywhere. He, he wrestled in Japan some. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But Scott Hall was a big deal, and he was one that transcended, uh, you know, pop culture. Uh, Mike, you probably remembered Scott Hall when you were not watching wrestling. Yeah, yeah, there was a there's a handful of wrestlers that you know about when you you're growing up in the 90s. Scott Hall was one of them, Kevin Nash, Hulk Hogan, obviously with the whole NWO, Goldberg, Steve Austin. That might have been it. But Undertaker. Oh, uh, of course, Undertaker. The throwing of the toothpick, I tried that all the time. Uh it was something special. Scott Hall, big deal. Cookie, what were your early memories? I know you didn't really get to see his early career as Razor Ramon, but you probably got to see some of his Scott Hall stuff. Yeah. I, funny enough, actually, I saw Razor Ramon before I saw Scott Hall. Oh. I was one of those kids that bought a bunch of DVDs from, like, pawn shops, like all my wrestling DVDs. I, I remember. You, you got them at the flea markets. Yes, yes, in the flea market. So, like, one of them was, like, a ladder DVD, and it had the Razor Ramon Shawn Michaels match on it. 
and they had the promo that showed like how cool he was beforehand, you know, raising both belts, doing the toothpick and all that stuff. So like, yeah, I made the connections automatically. I was just like, is that Scarface? That's Tony Montana. That's Razor Ramon. That dude's badass. You know what I mean? So it was, yeah, I, I always thought he was just cool as hell. You know, Scott Hall, like thinking back, like there was an era where I thought he was a piece of shit, (laughs) you know, like he would he would come to indie shows drunk. But but then like you think about it more, it's like, yeah, I mean, he had a lifestyle where he lived hard. And, you know, some people, those demons kind of overtake your life like we've seen with Jake the Snake Roberts and, and things like that. But Scott Hall was a good human being, ultimately. Um we got to see this week. I, I found some weird stuff. Uh, him, him going to the Jerry Springer show to, to help out a, a, a couple kids. These, these two kids born, uh, born HIV positive. And, and it was a tough life they had to live. Scott Hall came in and was a very sweet human being to them. And it ended up being like this, this very wholesome moment. Cookie found us an article about them years later, talking about that moment and how it affected their lives he had an effect on people that was larger than the wrestling business. And, and I think that, um, that, that it cannot be understated that Scott Hall was, was very, very influential to the nineties and to the two thousands. Anything else, uh, Tolbert, uh, your, your thoughts? What, Dude, what, what, I mean, it was, it was a tough one when I heard, you know, cause a lot of wrestlers have passed away over the past couple of years. Uh, but this one was definitely tough because he was definitely the most imitated, you know, or in, in my case anyway. I imitated him the most, you know, the walk, the toothpick, you know, razor edge, <laughs> razor's edging my brother. Just <laughs> he was just that 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 rough, just kind of like just bad guy that we all loved. You know what I mean? It was it was a tough one. You know what's funny? I uh, never thought that he talked normally like i I didn't know that he did not have that cuban accent (laughs) i looked him up and i was like oh he's from baltimore and then i was like listening to his awa interviews which was before he did the character and he was just a normal dude (laughs) you know and i'm like this is not scott hall but then you watch all the stuff and he became his character and a lot of times you know, he's a great wrestler. He, he, he's a good performer. He's not the most technical wrestler, but he can get he's got a great character. He knows his character and he buy, lets he, he makes the people buy into this character. You know what Very I mean? Very old school. Very old school. More like, you know, we see in the regional, you know, types of wrestling and stuff from the old days. You know, that's that's one of the reasons I love him so much, because he makes you buy into his character so much. He's a big dude, too. He's a big, big dude. So. Let's talk about some Razor Ramon matches. For our first matchup of the evening, Big Mike, you have got one Razor Ramon against the model Rick Martell. All right. Razor Ramon, Rick Martell. A little background for, oh, by the way, this is October 11th, 1993. So a little background on this uh, match. It is for the vacant Intercontinental title. They didn't mention why it was vacant. I can tell you why. Why? Because it was HBK had it, and HBK was suspended. Hmm. Hmm. HBK got suspended, and then after this match happened, 
This led to the very famous IC ladder match the cookie just referenced. So they had a unification match to determine who the IC title holder was. And that happened to be a ladder match. Look at this, it's weaving in and out because this actually is after Razor Ramon's loss to the kid. And that created this face turn that, that kind of smoldered for a couple months. Cause it's yes. funny, you don't, on, on its surface, you would think Razor Ramon, not a good guy, right? Like not a baby face kind of thing. And, uh, but when Rick Martel comes out first, clearly the fans don't like him. And I think we don't like him here either. Cause this is our first Rick Martel reference, right? I, see, I, I appreciate Rick Martel. I do not know why we've never had a Rick Martel episode, uh, like uh, match. I think, I, think, I think it's because he's a good hand. <laughs> he he, really he's a good hand. He's nothing special. You know what I thought while I was watching it? He looks just like Sammy Guevara if Sammy Guevara had some meat on his bones. Um, I don't really see that. But I'll give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we get Razor Moon's classic music comes out, does the toothpick flick. Um, actually, wait, he waits for the toothpick flick until the bell rings and then he throws it in Martel's face. Um, it starts, I mean, this is just a classic wrestling match. You can kind of tell, um, you know, where they were going to go with it a little bit. Like you said earlier, Razor Ramones, Scott Hall, then like wasn't the biggest or best worker in the world, but he, it looked real. And you you kind of knew what he was going to do, and you knew what you were going to get. What was interesting through it, though, is you do get some of the babyface shine. And, again, it felt weird for me seeing that in the, in the match progression. But Martel comes out early. He's, you know, sizing – or Ramon sizing Martel up. Martel's trying to go after him like a little scrappy dog, doing everything he can. Um, at one point, he gets him into a, a face lock, which, by the way, we've got Vince McMahon, Bobby Heenan, and Randy the Macho Man – Randy Savage on the uh, on the call, and uh, he gets Ramon in a face lock, and Vince is pretty upset because that could easily turn into a choke. I always thought it was a choke, but that's just me. I don't know the difference of the intricacies of this whole thing. Oh, it's a face um, lock. Come on, Mike. Yeah, obviously, obviously, and uh, but Bobby goes ahead and just explains, you know, hey man, what the ref doesn't see don't hurt. So, um, it's not till eight minutes in, about halfway through the video. Um, you, that we get our very first pin attempt, and it is Martel trying to pin Razor Ramon. Uh, Martel clearly being the bad guy, gets his feet up on the ropes. Um, Earl Hebner sees it, calls him out on it. Martel actually doesn't like that, and he gets in Hebner's face a little bit. Um, I was expecting Ramon to uh, take advantage of that situation, and he didn't. He, he was kind of just recovering in the corner a little bit. Eventually makes his comeback, beat, beats up Martel a little bit. At one point, Martel does the cheeky – He'll move thing and just gets out of the ring. And uh, what did Bob, Bobby said? He, he was going for a hike and just got to walk in the ring off a little bit. Um, what I really liked is when we get back in, Martel gets more offense. Um, he does a couple different moves that blast Ramon's back into the, uh, into the corner post. I think he hits a drop kick in the back. Then we get a Boston Crab, um, which apparently is Martel's finisher. Yes. Is a Boston Crab. It's like predates the walls of Jericho by several years, I think. Yes. Um, and, and you get that baby face shine where, you know, Razor Ramones, you know, he, he, at the first one, he claws to the, the ropes and he gets the rope break. Martel quickly locks in another one in the middle of the ring. And you could hear the death school. I mean, the crowd was never like 
crazy, crazy into the match. But you can hear the decibels rise a little bit as when Ramon would like lift up his chest up off the the mat, uh, and then he'd come back down and he'd be like ah, ah. and it's like did that a couple of times. It was pretty cool. Eventually, Ramon uh, throws him or drops him on his nuts on the ring post, does a move off that. And then he goes to set him up for the razor's edge. And at first I thought he was going to hit him with a pile drive. I don't know if uh, uh, Martel sandbagged him or not, because <laughs> it, it, uh, it looked like Ramon was going to like abort the razor's edge set up into a pile driver. Cause he started like kind of falling backwards, had to reset himself, finished flipping him up over there. Um, hits the razor's edge. One, two, three. Razor Ramon becomes the Intercontinental Champ. Crowd liked it. Good little match. Decent little about, amount of like chain wrestling, which was kind of interesting. Yeah, and it was also like I think the big deal one. It, it was Razor turning into a face. Like it was kind of like the full fledged face turn. And uh, another part was this was one of his first major title wins in the WWF at the time, which, which kind of elevated him even further up. You, you would hear, you know, kind of rumblings. People always enjoyed the character, not necessarily, you know, cheering and cheering him when he was a, a heel. It, it was one of those things where he was the cool bad guy, you know? Yeah. And it was like the match layout was kind of just classic. Like I said, it, we waited a little bit to get to the first illegal pin attempt. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think, Razor had any pin breakups. So Martel had a bunch and Razor was kicking out, obviously trying to build the crowd into it. But I don't think Razor ever pinned Martel and then Martel kicked out. So that's kind yeah, of Yeah, it, it very I mean it, it made him look pretty strong in the so end. A little you know? storytelling there. Um all in all, not too bad. So you got to appreciate uh uh Razor before his WCW transition. Yeah, I like I like this version. I mean, we did the one, two, three kid match. You know, I think I'm, I might have even done the. the I think we've match. done a couple Razor Ramon matches. I I don't really remember which ones, do, but after watching some clips online and, and seeing the ones we've chosen, I do like early '90s Razor more though than more than like WCW Scott Hall, um, and definitely more than later version of of Razor that we got. Yes. So there you go. Uh, any any kind of social media things of the last couple of weeks? Anything else? Um, we kind of organically have gotten back to like live tweeting AEW events, which is kind of fun. So if you're ever interested, you know, look at Twitter. Maybe occasionally Aaron will drop a Simpsons reference. Um, he did mention the front row juggalo last week. Yes. So that was kind of nice. Um, on Instagram, you know, we had our, our 316 post. Um but yeah, we're just kind of chugging away. We actually lost a fair amount of our, well, not a fair amount. We lost like half dozen Twitter followers, but, tw- but Instagram keeps, you know, just. We, we've more. gained a lot of sex bots. I think we lost all the sex bots. Maybe that's where all the numbers went. That That's okay. I can see that. But we, we have gotten some sex bots back. So. I'm glad, glad, more glad you're keeping tabs on the sex bots. Yeah. I mean, I, I get a notification that we get a follower and I look and it's a sex bot. So. Not a real follower. I think, I think they're like reading your cookies and, and sending them to you. That's right. That's right. Uh, that's not funny. All right. Anyways. Ready or not, here I come. 
you can't hide gonna find you and take it slowly all right for the strong style cookie you have got <laughs> the outsiders and masahiro i can't even uh excuse me sorry one more time you have got the outsiders Mm-hmm. Masahiro Chono against the Steiner brothers and Kiji Muto. Yes, yes, I do. And it feels good, Aaron. It feels good it, to be back in the in the actual music. strong style. <laughs> yes, yes, it feels good. It feels good to not understand what the commentators are saying for well, well for, for the most part. There is one commentator that you do kind of understand. That is true. We'll get And there. I don't think he understands what they're saying. I, I don't think so either. He was very confused. He, he was a little shocked. Oh, man. <clears throat> but yes, this is in 1997. And part of me wishes I grew up watching WCW because of the presence of Japanese wrestlers, like how much they how much of more of a presence they had in WCW than they did in WWF. Correct. And they were legitimate in WCW. Yeah, I, I feel that I was peppered with more not only Japanese wrestlers, more Mexican wrestlers and um it, it was just a, a jolly, uh, you know, mixing bowl of, of all sorts of yeah. styles. You know that the Japanese guys were never going to go over on the uh, American guys. But you got to see some interesting styles of wrestling. And I think that that really influenced my later tastes in professional wrestling. Yes, yes. But, you know, it's never too late. And that's why I'm on the strong style. And here we are. Uh, but that commentator that you were talking about, Aaron, that was Eric Bischoff. Oh. He was on commentary. Uh, basically as a scout for new talent on NWO. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. <laughs> but, Hello, uh, Aaron. <laughs> didn't the NWO start in Japan? Uh, yeah, kind of. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just like a white man taking somebody uh, else's culture. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of Marvel movies, so I'm just going to call him a colonizer from now yeah, on. Yeah, colonizer. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get to the countdown. Cookies, top four, number one. All right, uh, there's something about watching Muto just run the length of the ramp in New Japan, only to hit his opponent with a clothesline. See, Muto is so exciting to me. Like, I love Muta, but Muto yeah. is just such a different character. It's it's so interesting to see him as that white meat baby face. Yes. And and seeing him do a full 40 yard sprint, which I, I would say he's probably a five one or maybe four nine uh, like 40. Him. Yeah. I mean, he, he's not too fast, but he's got some meat behind him. Yeah. And, and, and taking him out with that beautiful, beautiful clothesline. Yes. Yes. Um, and, you know, Aaron, uh, nowadays, the young boys would probably hit the Spanish fly. And go through the ramp, you know, hear that fight forever chant right afterwards, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, a load of bullshit. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the funniest part was after after he hit Chono with that clothesline, he started doing the Steiner bark. You got so much more personality with Muto. Oh, and yeah. And, and and he went down on his knees. Him and him and uh, uh, Rick were, were down there and, and yes. Scott had him. It was it was incredible. Yes. Yes. Um. It, it, he he remind I don't know who he reminds me of. I, like Kurt Angle is the first person that's come to mind, but he doesn't care about like how he looks. He's just he's just him. Muto yeah. is just a I don't know white meat baby face, like you said. And I and and we we talk about him a lot. I love 
hit. We got to see him live for Christ's sakes. We got True. to see this man live. True. Um, he's just fun. He's, he's different. He's fun. And he's, he's Muto. Yeah. Facts. Number two. Hey man, Scott Hall catching Rick Steiner off the middle rope for a fallaway slam. That's sneaky. He's yeah. sneaky strong to catch. Rick Steiner is a big boy. He's an ass. Scott Steiner is too. But like, come on now. Like, this, Scott Hall is not the biggest person. This was right around the time that both of the boys somehow gained mysteriously 30 more pounds. You know, mm. the, the Steiner brothers very quickly gained more weight. Both of them. Yeah. So, so you know that they're probably a little heavier. Mike, what what is touching his his what name? <laughs> what was that, Mike? I think they were probably doing steroids there. Do you think uh-huh. that? I I don't know, no. man. I, it's it's interesting. You would think that they would, you know, gaining thirty pounds in less than two months. You know, I, I maybe they just got on the diet that I'm on. So, you, me too, Aaron. And uh, you know, silly me. <laughs> I was thinking Rick Steiner and Scott Steiner, you know, like, wow, they're just so strong, popping those hips, really getting Kevin Ash over for those belly to bellies. Hmm. It was medical science was, was helping him out. That's what it was, Aaron. The Barry Bonds treatment. And, and, you said. know, Scott Hall being a, a clean and sober man himself would never touch those things. So, you know, know, being able to throw Rick Steiner around that, that sneaky strong is all natural, I'm sure. Absolutely. Absolutely, Aaron. Bad guys do a lot of things, but they don't do drugs. That's right. That's right. Number three. Uh, so this is back when uh, Kevin Nash could actually go is what I'm seeing. Uh, well, <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. I mean, like, it's interesting. We, we've mentioned this before. When professional wrestlers go to Japan, they just decide that they're actually good workers and, and can go. Exactly. I was, I was like, this is complete. This is 1997. And if you compare his matches between 1997, especially the ones in Japan, and you compare those to the uh, NWO Wolfpack stuff, they're like terrible, <laughs> terrible to compare. It's insane. It, it's insane. You go to Japan and you you, you get a little little wild, uh, you know, hair about you, and you, you you do some working. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm jumping around like he's doing like sidewalk slams. You know, he's actually moving. He can run now, apparently, in, in, in Japan, but he can't do it in WCW. <laughs> Didn't blow his legs out there. No, definitely not. Um, but anyway, man, this match was just very high energy. It was a great pace uh, trios match, as the kids like to call them these days. Uh, everyone was putting on a great show. And um, Masahiro Chono, also complete hoss. Just, I believe this is our first Chono match for some reason. Under underrated worker, in my opinion, G- does a great job of being the big guy. You know what? We might uh, we we might do a Chono week coming up. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'll do. Let's do number four first. All right, number four. Well, I wanted uh, I wanted this match to end with the Razor's Edge or whatever it's called in WCW Outsiders Edge, but sadly Muto broke up the count. Uh. But it worked itself out, though. We got the jackknife powerbomb. Scott Hall makes the cover. Poetic justice, nonetheless. And uh, the Outsiders and Masahiro Chono go over on the Steiners and Muto. And uh, so let's go ahead and jump to the honorable mentions real quick. Underrated chokeslam has to go to Scott Hall. Yes. Very underrated. Forgot he even did that move because I don't even think he did it as Razor Ramon. Top notch. Uh, I just wanted to speak on that sneaky influence that Scott Hall had on a lot of people 
but a lot of us as kids. The spooky fingers. How many people <laughs> did the spooky fingers? Uh, I, I definitely man. did, yes. I definitely did that. The hey yo, that was that was something. Survey time, the toothpick, throwing the toothpick, the surfboard surfboard walk, the shotgun pose. I mean, Mike just did it. <laughs> uh can can I ask you a question? Yes. Cookie, do you think that Scott Hall would have been invited to the cookout? Absolutely. I think I think he loved him some soul food. <laughs> I think he could have I think he could have hung when it came to the lingo. I think he was good in the hood based off of the pictures that I've seen of Scott Hall, aka Razor Ramon. And let me tell you this. Black people love Tony Montana, a.k.a. Scarface. They do. And the closest thing you had in the early 90s to that in the wrestling world was Razor Ramon. Cookie, and and one thing that I I was very disappointed that this did not have, all when they came out in New Japan, they came out to Fuji's Ready or Not. Yes. That was their theme song in New Japan. Yes. Scott Hall was at the cookout. He was 100% at the cookout. I watched a video after he passed away of him making an entrance at ECW and he came out the ready or not by the Fugees. And I said, that man is invited to the cookout. <laughs> and I think by way, I think by way, Kevin Nash is also invited to the cookout just what? because he knows Scott Hall. You've got Scott Hall. He, he's from Baltimore area. That one is, is a tough area to come out of. Absolutely. And then, you know, spent a lot of time in Miami, another tough area. And this man was able to go into the hood with all of that drip and come out unscathed. This man was a part of the cookout. Yes, I I would love to see his 23 and me. I think that he's got a little bit of uh, a a mixed uh, blood, if you know what I mean. He's got the soul in him, Aaron. If you look look back, he kind of has a little bit of a Jerry curl to him, too. The little slick action. That's a little Jerry. The the drip down the middle. When the electric slide came on, Scott Hall was the first in line. Absolutely. He knew the percolator. He knew the electric slide. (laughs) The the uh, the. What what, what's the the, God, the the Cupid shuffle. He was a part of that. Yes. And uh, the uh, dun, 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 dun. what is it? The uh, Keep going, uh, man. I'm da, da. I, I don't even know. Anyways. All joking aside, it is pretty well documented that he was like an awesome dude to hang out with. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, he, like, he went hard, but like he also was just like a genuinely like good dude. Yeah. And 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 I'm, I'm glad we got to talk about him today. Like I, it really is a different kind of uh professional wrestler you know scott hall was was who he was yes cookie uh also one last thing the cha-cha slide that's the word oh the cha-cha slide yeah yeah yeah. cha-cha slide there we go yes 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 yes. good cookie what do you give this matchup i give this matchup five cookies okay razor ramon and i just want to say one last thing chico Hard work pays off. Bad times don't. Ooh, damn. <laughs> Mix that up. We're going to have to we're gonna have to cut that. We're going to have to cut that. Hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last. But bad guys do. 
for our final matchup of the evening. Uh, Tobert, I had to find something, you know, to lighten the mood a little bit. Uh, Tobert, you have got an interesting, it, it, it's less of a match per se, it's more of a saga. Can you tell me what exactly happened in 1999 in WCW? This is the Outsiders against question mark, question mark, question mark. Yes. So. The boys show up. It's 1999, Monday Night Nitro. Scott Hall, Kevin Nash. They show up just to, just to chill, man. They're, they've been partying all night in Vegas, man. And, you know, they just show up. They're off tonight, dude. Kevin Nash is wearing his FUBU uh, jersey, uh, you know, just ready to chill. Um, it's for us, got... by us, if, you, if you're not familiar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And as soon as they make it to the arena, they're, they're leaving their limo, and uh, the booker walks up to him and says, hey, guys, you're booked. You're working tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and which to their surprise, you know, they're like, wait a second. No, no, we're not. We ain't working tonight. <laughs> and, and they have a, a cooler in tote <laughs> between the two of them. And I think we can all agree this is our favorite line from the uh, <laughs> whole match. He's like, Kevin Nash goes, yeah, we didn't even bring gear. And Scott Hall goes, we got something that rhymes with gear. <laughs> and <he slaps> the <laughs> cooler. Points to the cooler. <laughs> yeah, so we know the guys are here to party. They even make a tailgating reference that they're here to spectate only. And I don't know what to tell you. You are booked. So it cuts to them backstage actually drinking beers. Like, I, I don't think this is a work. I think these two are actually <laughs> pretty buzzed. Their eyes are kind of glassed over. It, 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 you can't act that. <laughs> these guys are, are hammered and they're talking about, you know, what are we going to do? Are we going to have to wrestle? Wait, how about we sabotage the show? If we sabotage the show. We won't have to wrestle. And they start bat, pa passing back and forth ideas like, uh, one of them is stripping down completely naked. And, I believe uh, at one point Kevin Nash <laughs> says he's not even wearing any underwear. Yeah, he's not. He's not. So they uh, they they figured it'd be wise to try to sober up. They have a little coffee. You know, they're like, all right, we're going to sober up and, and see what's up. But, you know, no one tells us what to do. We're going to do this our way. So they go out. They actually cut a, a pretty funny promo. <laughs> they go out and say, hey, pretty much fuck TNT. And, uh, and, and those bosses from up north, they ain't going to tell us what to do, right? And they're cutting a, a pretty funny promo, you know, just being wasted. Uh, and it gets interrupted by none other than Mr. Goldberg himself. Um, this is also a reminder why we didn't hear Goldberg on the mic too much. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, uh, in the late 90s. <laughs> You're telling me he's not a good talker? <laughs> so he's up in the crowd. He's yelling at them because apparently they jumped him in Vegas the night before. I uh, think we it was now... Halloween Havoc the night before. I believe that they made reference to that. Okay, that... so they jumped Goldberg. Uh, we're in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, Kevin Nash's hometown. So he's pumping the crowd up. Uh, the crowd's kind of there for all of it. They love Goldberg at the moment. They love the outsiders, but Goldberg uh, swears revenge. And he says, you better have eyes on the back of your head because I'm coming for you. Um, then there cuts back to them drinking more, you know, and he's like, I'm not scared of Goldberg. You know, Kevin Nash is like sloppily taping up his, his wrist and doing stretches <laughs> in his jeans <laughs> the whole time. Meanwhile, Scott Hall's not even warming up at all. So they're like, all right, let's go wrestle this match. We hit the music. We get the classic Outsiders, you know, intro. You know, they come to the ring. They're like, who is it that we are wrestling? 
Uh, well, the music hits. You see the bodyguards come out, the guys in suits, and it is uh, three scantily clad women, mm-hmm. uh, known as the, known as the porn stars. The porn out. stars. Yes, and then one actually has. I don't know if they put giant inflatable balloons in her shirt. No, those are real. Actual boobs. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how she walks upright. Um, I, I think Jr. even made no, not Jr. But Tony uh, Giovanni made a reference to that how she's not even going to be able to make it to the ring. <laughs> um, well, obviously Nash and uh, Scott Hall are, are very excited about this prospect. They're like, "What's what's actually going on?" Uh, the ladies make it to the ring and they're you know playfully you know like, "Come on, we're going to fight you. We're going to wrestle you." Um, we start off with Scott Hall. <laughs> And he gets a, a sideways headlock from one of them, which he turns into a, a motorboat kind of move. Uh, and he gets caught up in the corner where she's up on the second rope punching him. And he, he gets a, a he essentially gets a full on lap dance in the yes. in the middle of the ring in front of the whole crowd. Um, my favorite part is the hot tag to Scott Hall or uh, to Kevin Nash. The hot tag is probably the funniest moment in the match. He steps over um, and he just goes, you know what? I give up and lays down in the middle of the ring. <laughs> he just lays down to which Scott Hall joins him, and all three of the ladies simultaneously pin them at the same time. Match is over. Let's go party, boys. Let's go. We got some ladies. We got beers. Let's go. So they're flirting with the ladies, dancing with the ladies. Out of nowhere, Goldberg appears to uh, rain down some spears. He spears Scott Hall. I think he's supposed to spear Kevin Nash a little earlier than he did. There's kind of a delay. I think Nash kind of no sells him a little bit and he's flirting with the gals and just won't turn around to take the spear. Right. <laughs> but when he finally does, it's, it's a pretty sloppy spear and he almost catches it to the face. Uh, but Goldberg leaves their drunk asses laying there and he, uh, you know, goes off to do Goldberg things. <laughs> and that's it. It's a pretty, uh, pretty so, entertaining match. So ultimately, Less of a wrestling match, more of an entertaining saga throughout the episode. Of course. Of course. Very entertaining, I find it. Um, Tolbert, what's your haiku? <clears throat> Beers instead of gear. Them boys ain't working tonight. <laughs> Spears instead of beers. <laughs> mm. Mm. Tolbert, uh, do you think that would uh, fly in uh, the, the, the 2020s? Today's, today's market? No. Uh, I mean, they're even talking junk on the sensors and the, the network itself. Uh, I think they actually said fuck TNT. Uh, <laughs> but no, it would not fly in the market today. Uh, but what a time 1999 was. What a time to be alive. Yeah. Uh, a young, uh, a, a great time for, for Tolbert and I to be to be thrust into our manhood uh yeah. while watching. we were at woodstock three or whatever it was yeah <laughs> woodstock, woodstock 99, 99. <laughs> it was a different time i do i i am sad at the beginning of your episode or your your match tony shivani's doing a, a stand-up in front of the audience and somebody's got a big icp sign behind them that's the one thing that you missed on your thing oh sorry i, I did miss that we, we always got to bring up ICP when we can, boop, just boop, like the juggalo boop. that was at Dynamite this past week made it so much better. <laughs> of course, of course. Juggalos well, that, always make everything a little better. That is it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening to $2 Steak. Uh, next week, boys, who do we want to – do we want to go back to La Parca 
or do we want to do no. um mike doesn't enjoy the the spaniard wrestling style no well we we'll figure something out we'll we'll, we'll say, we gonna do a porn stars match we can't do no, that no we're not gonna do a porn stars match. <laughs> Val Venus. wait a minute we, uh, nothing we, about who train we could week. we could we'll figure it out and uh we'll 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 just do something exciting next week thank you for listening to two dollar steak a pro wrestling podcast yeah.